0: I'm like in my 40s now, (laughs) I don't tell anyone that I play in a grindcore band.
1: Welcome to the 7th episode of The Cast That Ends Creation. I'm your host, Chris Deering, and this is the show where I interview bands and public figures from the math core community. If you people, if you beautiful people in chat have any questions or comments, I will try my best to read them aloud. If you're watching this on YouTube or listening to this in your car and have no idea what I'm talking about, this show is first shot live every Sunday. Uh, feel free to join us on Twitch, twitch.tv slash The Cast Ends Creation for the live cast. Uh... With all that out of the way, let me introduce our guest tonight, who's dropping their seventh album through Noise Salvation uh, Records, November 20th. Welcome in Topin Doss from the legendary Fuck the Facts. How's
0: it going? Hi. Good, man. Thanks. Thanks for having me.
1: Oh, thank you for being here. Um, Notice how I didn't attempt to say the album name. Uh, Not going to embarrass myself, but I do understand it means Full Darkness. Uh, What's the name exactly?
0: Uh, Troy Noisar. (laughs)
1: <laughs> one more time. One more time.
0: Plain noir soir.
1: Plain noir star.
0: Yeah. Am I, the, am I in the ballpark? Yeah, yeah. No, totally, man. <laughs> uh,
1: so it's also being released on your own label, uh, Noise Salvation, or uh, yeah, Salvation. Uh, how's that? How's that going for you? How's the reception been so far? I know it's, it's just the one single, right? But uh,
0: uh no, it's full length album.
1: Well, no, like you've only so- released one single.
0: Uh, we actually we just released the second one on Friday oh dope yeah so um yeah so we released two songs so far for this for this this album it's like our first album in five years right really? um, so I don't know it, it's kind of a weird thing because we took a bit of a break for a while and uh, weren't really sure when we got back what kind of reception we'd have but I uh, you know I gotta say it's it's been as, as always, it's like, it's overwhelming in a way, you know, whenever I think any musician puts their stuff out there and, you know, people are receptive and people want to hear what, you know, what you're creating, it's it's an amazing feeling. So, uh, you know, we've been doing this for a long time and most of the time we have like no expectations about anything. So whenever things start going well, it's it's a really good feeling. It feels really good.
1: Right. Well, I guess your uh, main problem is making sure people know that you're still around, that y'all are, you know, back at it.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that's one of the things we were thinking, you know, like the world moves so fast now. Right. So like five years is, is you know, ages. Like, I don't know. You're a young guy. How old were you like five years ago, like 13 or something, you know, <laughs> like, um everyone changes so drastically. So we kind of expect here we are, we're going to like, you know, put out a new album and everyone's going to be like, who the hell is this? Who the fuck are these old dudes playing playing music? Uh, But, you know, luckily, yeah, people have been super receptive and a lot of the people that uh, have supported the band, like, you know, five years ago, they're, they're there, you know, like the last album released back in 2015 uh, was, was our first full length on our own label and, uh, you know, at the same time, we didn't know what to expect, and it was it was a really, like, humbling experience, and now we put this album out five, five years later, and, you know, since we do it all ourselves, we get to see every single order that comes in. We're like, oh, there's this guy, you know? There's, like, that guy that we know from Poland, and here's this guy from Texas, and there's this guys from Vancouver, and these people from all over the world that have been supporting us all these years are, are still there.
1: Hell yeah. Um, so... You brought it up, but you guys have been around for a long time. 21 years. You've toured the world. You've been on relapse. Uh, you've had success most people can can dream of, right? Uh, I'm sure a lot of labels would be chomping at the bit to release this album. Why would y'all decide to do this by yourselves?
0: Uh, this one, I think we just wanted to get it out. You know, when we did Desirable Rot, it was our first album uh, after our contract with Relapse ended. We did look around a little bit to see if there was a label that, you know, might have been interested. Like, we didn't look at all the labels in the world. We kind of picked a select few that we probably would have been stoked to work with, but nothing panned out. And we were just like, all right, we're just going to release it ourselves. Uh, And that's kind of like, you know, the whole beginning of of the whole noise salvation thing, really. Uh, But this time around... The album was, we'd actually been working on it kind of behind the scenes for a while. And it was getting to a point where it was like, we just want to get this out. You know, like it it felt like that it was more important just to kind of get it out there. And uh, I guess in a way, get the ball rolling again for the band uh, than to kind of try and shop it around. So, uh, you know, it, 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 yeah, I don't know. Like the the whole label thing is is tricky right we've been independent so long so yeah maybe a label out there would be interested uh you know maybe down the road we do work with the label again maybe we never work with the label again it's kind of like um uh, you know it's it's not it's not one of those things that's gonna define us and make it so that we do what we do you know like um like I say, you know, before we even started this, like we're just normal people. Like, we're just like, you know, you and everyone else, like, you know, we got, I got kids upstairs, you know, I got family, I got, uh, you know, a house and, and a job and all that stuff, you know, and when it comes to doing the band and the music stuff, we do this because we love it and we enjoy it. You know, we're not expecting, um, to be rich off it. You know, we're hell, we're not even really expecting to make any money off of this, as long as it's something that we, uh can do and that for the time that we do it we enjoy it you know like like no one starts like a grindcore band called fuck the facts with (laughs) dreams of you know living in a mansion and being motley crew
1: well you say that but your last album was uh nominated for a juno award i assume that's basically the grammys for canada
0: yeah 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 the last the the last two actually desire will rot and then the last album we put on uh put out on relapse die miserable was also that that was yeah that was back in 2012 and that was actually uh the very first year of a new category that they started which is called like the uh, hard rock metal album of the year right so without that category like a band like us would would never make it to the to the junos like i I, I think the grammys have a similar sort of category for like extreme metal yeah, or something yeah,
1: extreme know. metal right with like slayer mm-hmm. and slip knots like i guess right but you're not really tempted. yeah well we don't yeah we don't really have
0: any slayers or Slipknots here so you know <laughs> yeah, we're not, yeah. Dea- we're not dealing with the same competition
1: well it's still crazy that they would nominate a grindcore band for the hard rock category right
0: <laughs> yeah yeah, it's crazy, you know it's but insane. i think it, it, I think it even shows just kind of how the world is changing, you know, like this music isn't really underground anymore like it was back in the day, you know, uh, like even when I started doing this stuff back in like, you know, the mid late 90s, uh, it's it was starting to blow up and now it's, I don't know, man, metal is metal is pretty mainstream, you know, maybe not the metal that we play, but metal as a genre in general, I think is, is quite mainstream.
1: Yeah, I could agree with that. Um, so, uh, it, this kind of metal is like obscured really from view in the United States. Um, I assume Canada, it, it has to be bigger than if they're willing to put you guys up on their like music awards show, right? Is this like, like, can you walk into a bar and hear a grindcore band playing over the radio? Or <laughs> <let's>...
0: <laughs> no, it's the same here as it is everywhere else in the world. Oh, it's the nice. same here as it is in the U S you know, like. Uh, yeah it's cool you know like we're we're from here and i think because uh canada like obviously the country's huge but our population um is not like you guys at all that uh you know we've really been kind of embraced by you know by the country you know like when we started when we started touring back in the early 90s late 2001 uh 2001 2002 is when we really started getting busy like there was no like grindcore bands touring there were grindcore bands like in in each city uh playing music and stuff but to be a grindcore band and to jump in a van and like go across the country that just wasn't really a thing that was happening you know uh so i think we are we're one of the bands that kind of started started doing that at least in canada and and we've been really lucky that We've made a lot of friends along the way, and people have just been supportive of us since since day one.
1: Oh, that's dope, man. Uh, so, how did you land the nomination? You just know, like the right guy or whatever, is able to slip your name in there?
0: Or? <laughs> <laughs> well, you have to uh, you have to uh, submit for them. So, you know, you, you don't just like like the Junos. Probably, um, exactly like any awards, they just don't randomly like scour the internet looking for albums. You have right. to actually say, "Hey, I put out an album. Uh, check it out." So, uh, so yeah, so I, th- I guess they picked it out. I don't know how many, you know, albums get submitted and all that stuff, but, you know, regardless, it's, it's a really cool thing. Yeah. I, you know, I won't, I'm not going to lie. Like, you know, when we heard it was like, wow, that's fucking crazy. Like right? <laughs> we got, you know, nominated for a Juno and it's
1: like take a couple of yeah. laps around the house. Right. Celebrate.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's such a weird thing. Cause I, I started fuck the facts really is as a, like, I'm, I'm the only member because I started this as a, a recording project, you know, just in my dad's basement with a four track and like a drum machine, uh, back in like, you know, like I was saying, like the late nineties, like around 97. And, uh, I had no dreams of like, oh, I'm going to build this up and, you know, we're going wit- to like, we're going to get nominated for a Juno or we're going to like tour the world or we're going to sign with relapse. It was just like, I was just some, you know, kid. That wanted to like make, you know, punk and metal music and put it out there. So, uh, you know, the fact that all this other stuff kind of happened is is really cool. And it's like this is fucking crazy, you know, because I, I never had never had that as a goal. But the fact that it happened is like, you know, it's it's cool. And I think it's it's motivating in a way. But at the same time, it's not one of those things that kind of defines what we do. You know, it's like yeah, getting nominated for Juno is cool. You know, you know, like, um, getting to tour and signing with Relapse, all that stuff's cool, but would I stop making music if, you know, I didn't have those successes? I would like to think not.
1: Yeah, I got you, man. Um, so what did happen with Relapse? Like, was there, like, creative differences between you guys, or did they just not want to renew your contract?
0: Yeah, they just didn't want to renew our contract. We had a... Basically, we signed... A, it was uh, it was a one album deal with two um, uh, what the fuck are those even called now? Two options. So basically, uh, up to three. So you know, really, you only we only signed for one album, which was Stigmata High Five, which we put back out in two thousand six. Uh, then we did our second album with them, uh, Discourge Mexico, two thousand nine, I believe or 2008, one of those. And then we did, uh, uh, die miserable was the last album we did with them was in 2011 and 2012, I think 2012 or 2011. Anyway, one of those. So yeah, basically we did all those three albums with them and they just were kind of like, yeah, we're going to, you know, it was fun, but we're going to move on and try different things. And yeah, it's just, that shit happens. Right. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, yeah. yeah, there's nothing you can do, but it. it was definitely a bit of a bummer. Like for me, for me relapse especially in the in the 90s was like a huge huge influence on what i did you know bands like cephalic carnage and uh you know dillinger escape plan and like all that stuff all that stuff coming coming up in the in the 90s on relapse just like how eclectic the label was and I don't know. It, 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 played a huge, huge role. And so, you know, and what, what, before we did Stigmata High Five, you know, we shopped around to a whole bunch of labels and the fact that, you know, relapse is the one that actually came knocking was like, this is fucking crazy, you know? And we basically, we, everyone like quit their job and we all just went on the road for like, you know, a few years straight and just uh, grindcore grind toured as much as we could.
1: Hell yeah, man. Living the dream. That is awesome, dude. Yeah, someone's dream. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you guys recorded this in your own studio. Uh, I believe it's... Is it number 16 studio? I forgot what it was called. No. Uh, apartment 2. Apartment 2. I don't know why I came up with that. Um, but, uh, a better name. <laughs> uh, so how long have you guys been operating the studio? Uh...
0: 10 years now so we actually we started it um uh so after we did our second album for real ass which was disgorge mexico and we were getting ready to do our third uh we just we didn't have the same recording budget as before we actually we spent a lot of money to do disgorge mexico like we had a recording advance for the label plus we put in a lot of our own money um and this is when we were like touring a lot so obviously no one was making money anymore so uh, we decided that you know instead of kind of going into like uh, a studio and, and paying for all that stuff that we would just try and do it ourselves so um you know basically just set up in my mom's basement which was that when we did Uh, die miserable. Actually, all the equipment was in my mom's like laundry room. (laughs) And we just like ran cables to another room. Uh, And yeah, that's what that's what we did. uh, Die miserable. And so the, the idea was basically like, instead of taking like, you know, that money and putting it into a recording at another studio let's take that money and let's start investing into gear and that was kind of the idea and as time went on we just kind of like you know built up gear built up the studio uh, and made it something that actually like you know a lot of bands come in and record with us you know besides even like uh local bands we got bands that come down from montreal We've had a band come from uh upstate new york toronto uh, a lot of places you know we do a lot of mixing for bands all over the world and mastering and stuff so um besides you know besides it being our own um you know recording studio where we can do our own stuff it's also become like another business that can actually like you know it's become like an income so uh it, it, in the end it, it really paid off
1: that's sick man you got the uh the band the studio the label you got like your whole whole uh package in house that, that is really awesome man um, yeah, I think so- it has part to do
0: with like my, my my personality. Maybe like I'm a little bit of a control freak, where <laughs> I just like I have to have kind of my my hands in everything, if possible. You know, like we we basically do it all ourselves. You know, that you're talking like DIY, like earlier today, like Mel and I were just like cutting out cardboard, getting ready to like ship uh, all the vinyl for for this for this new album. You know, so <laughs> it's. Yeah, everything, you know, besides, besides, like, the PR stuff, which we get, like, you know, John, like, Asher to help us with. Everything else we do, like, 100% ourselves.
1: Do you guys, like, organize your own tours and stuff?
0: Yeah, we do, actually. Uh, or or we did, like, right? It's been a while since we've toured. But, right. uh, yeah, at, at the end, we really did. Like, when we signed with... So, obviously, when we started in the early days, we did it ourselves. We had to. We didn't have a choice. Like, this is, like, you're, like... E- like like MySpace, like I don't even know if you remember MySpace. Oh no, MySpace no, no, I was getting, around. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so MySpace didn't MySpace didn't exist uh, even back then. It was just like email, and and it was uh, yeah, it was it was really fucking weird booking tours back then. I can't imagine what people did before even my time, where like everything was done on the phone. So. They would just
1: attach yeah. the messages to pigeons and send them out the window and hope they arrived. It again. must have been. It must have been
0: <laughs> fucking wild, man. Uh, but yeah, anyway, so in those early days, obviously, we did it ourselves. Uh, then when we signed with Relapse, we got we got some help from them. They obviously put us on some tours, uh, and they were helping do our stuff. And we always kind of booked ourselves as well. Like, we never had a specific booking agent. Like, if you wanted to book the band, you know, you could just write to us. You know, it's uh, we've never, we never felt like we were kind of like above, above stuff like that. So, um, after doing that, we worked with a couple of other booking agents, but one of the things we started to realize is that when we were working with these other booking agents who we were always kind of like a small fish on, on their roster, you know, even the same with like our days with Relapse, we were a really small band, you know, there was like, okay, they have Mastodon and here we are, fuck the facts, you know? It's like, obviously, we're not priority number one, and it was kind of the same vibe when we were working with booking agents. They would always get us the shows, uh, and we'd always get paid, but we didn't feel like we were playing the best shows, you know? It was kind of weird. You'd drive to St. Louis, and, you know, it's like you get paid 400 bucks, but you played in front of, like, 12 people. It's just, like, it just doesn't... It just didn't make sense, so we decided to kind of just book ourselves so that we could be in contact with people that were actually into the band and you know wanted to see us and wanted to kind of like support us so yeah it's not, maybe we don't make four maybe we'll just get 200 bucks but we're playing a room with like you know 80 kids that are like you know having a blast so we're having a blast you know so there was always kind of that balance where it's like like yeah you need money obviously to make you know, put gas in the van and keep yourself on the road and, and pay for certain things. But if you're just making money and you're not having fun, it's like, what's the point? And and as time went on, we kind of, that was really the idea. It's like, we want to, you know, we obviously need to make money so that, you know, we're not siphoning money out of our own pockets, but, uh we not we mainly just want to have a good time so yeah so booking our own tours like that stuff just kind of made sense you know we had we had some opportunities you know that came up along the way that helped a lot like we toured with black dolly or murder and that was like a really big tour that we did um and a few other ones uh maybe a bit smaller like that but you know besides that we always just booked ourselves
1: okay um so back to the recording of this uh well uh, actually uh, about your studio what's uh like the biggest project you've had a hand in besides your own releases
0: uh i don't know i don't think i've done anything huge huge uh let me try and see like i've worked with some i worked with like i don't know if you know uh luke Lemay from gore guts
1: i know gore guts Guts.
0: yeah. yeah, so I had like Luke LeMay, who's the he is Gore Guts. He's he's came he's come down to the studio and we've worked on we worked on a movie soundtrack together actually. So, movie
1: soundtrack, yeah. what that's wild.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a going lot of mainstream.
1: Fun. going mainstream, going <laughs>
0: mainstream. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so he did that actually just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it was it was kind of hush hush, but I don't think it matters now. We had uh, the original or not the guy that played guitar on cryptopsy back in like the nun so Vile days and stuff. He was down in the studio, uh, recording some solos for a band from here actually called deformatory. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I worked with a lot of guys, the guys from Naraxis have been down here with their, with their other band, uh, obviously mankind, or I guess one of the guys from Naraxis, uh, obviously mankind. And yeah, I don't know. What's the movie
1: that the soundtrack was for?
0: Uh, you know what? I don't remember the name of the movie. Okay, okay. <laughs> uh, but it's a friend of mine called uh, his name's Dave Hall, and he actually did uh, Marilyn Deathfest, the movie back in the day. Uh, okay. He's done a he's done a lot of fucking really fucked up movies, and uh, he actually did uh, when we released we released a DVD called Disgorge Mexico, the DVD where we played the whole album live and we we recorded it, and then there's a second or the second part of the DVD where he made a movie for the entire album. Uh, And it's, it's extremely fucked up. He's done videos. Like if you ever see, we have a video for the song called drift of die miserable. He did that video. Uh, The sound of your smash head. He did that video. So uh, yeah, he's done a lot of really fucked up, fucked up movies and videos. I I feel bad that I don't remember the name of the movie (laughs) we did it for. It was the church, the church of something. But this is, this is a long time ago now. This is probably getting close to like four years ago.
1: Yeah, yeah, I got you, man. Um, so how long did recording this take?
0: Uh, it was kind of a staggered recording. Uh, so basically, once we had all the songs written, uh, Bill came into the studio and he tracked all of his drums, I think over like two or three days. Uh, and then I basically took all those tracks and I brought them home and I worked on the guitars for, for a decent amount of time, um, just at home, like tracking them. A lot of the guitars, I just tracked DI at home and then I would bring them to the studio and we would reamp. And, uh, after that, uh, Mel, Mel started doing her vocals. And again, it was just kind of like over a, a period of time. So I don't know, like the whole recording process itself was like, you know, I think it was, it was over a year. From where oh, we wow. where we first tracked the drums to where we were done all of the tracking, um, and then and then it was mixing the album. Actually, one of the things that kind of helped us get this thing done was this whole pandemic, which it it sucks in in a lot of ways. But the pandemic the pandemic happened, and it basically cleared my schedule (laughs) and i was like well this is like the perfect time for me to finish this album so i kind of just buckled down and just like really dug into it
1: for sure man the pandemic like brought so many people together like for making music it's crazy how much stuff is coming out specifically because of that you know get all that extra time to spend in the studio Um, so if you're like me you hate the mixing and mastering process how many times did you bang your head against the desk while you were making this
0: Oh yeah, I always do. It's horrible. Yeah, it's uh, and it's it's more. It's a more. Uh, it's messed up when you're working on your own stuff. I find you know like because uh, you're always second
1: guessing yourself. You're just like, oh, is this really as good as I think it is?
0: Yeah, yeah. And then you just kind of you got to get to a point where you just like you know you're like that's good.
1: I'm yeah yeah this, you gotta like you know? stop yourself because you're tired of your brain constantly breaking
0: <laughs> yeah 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 well yeah so yeah you like you record yourself as well right and you do you yeah. do this stuff yeah so you know what's up exactly right it's kind of one of those things that in a way i'm like ah, it could be fun you know if if an outside person does it but uh you know i, I do it i gotta do it and uh yeah but yeah no a lot yeah, of you want that
1: control over your art that's why i do it by myself you know what i mean
0: Yeah, you want that? Yeah. I, I think it's one of the things that's kind of also started to sort of like define our sound that we, we do things ourselves, you know, it's the same reason why, uh, you know, Mel does all of our album art, you know, like we we don't outsource, like we've got people to do shirt designs and stuff for us, but when it comes to actual, like the artwork of the releases, uh, we really like to get Mel to do them. Like we actually, because it's just kind of like you look at it and it's like, okay, that's like a fuck the facts album, you know? So I think of the, the recording. In a similar way, you know, it's like, that's us, you know, for, for better or worse, like that's us.
1: For sure, man. Um, so, Osorer wants to know in the chat, uh, how many guitar tracks would you end up layering and what kind of amps did you use? Uh,
0: that's a good question for guitar. The, I'm trying to think. So I did at least, I think four, because I think I double, so I did obviously left and right. Some some parts I did an additional left and right. So say there's like four main guitars, uh, and then the layering after that really depends on you know the leads and stuff. So I had some stereo leads, I had some mono leads, uh, and different harmonies like that. Is um, that like
1: four guitars playing the same thing, or did you have like two doing yeah. something else?
0: Uh, it depends on the part, you know. So I, I would I would usually make so there's like the there's the main rhythm guitar. So what I would just play is a rhythm, and then there there's there's either a sec there's either a harmony, which would then that would be the the other layer. If not, then it would be another layer of the same rhythm. You get what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you
0: right. <clears throat> so so there's so there's always that main track. There's that main layer of four guitars. And then after that, there's like additional leads that get layered, uh, depending on if they're mono, if they're stereo. You know, if it's mono, obviously I just play it once. If it's stereo, I'll actually I'll double track it, and uh, yeah, I'll play with stuff like that. I used like amp wise, I used I use a lot of different stuff. I think for the main tone, I used my uh, my Marshall JMP with a with a 5150 as well. So I'll have I'll run two amps, which is something that I've done for a long time on a lot of recordings. Well, I'll have one kind of like really saturated like metal tone. So like my fifty one fifty is like the metal tone, and then I'll have a, a a cleaner more. It's it's still dirty, but it's like where you kind of really get to hear like more of the twang of the strings and stuff. Right, Amp, which right. I'll use more of I'll like use the me.
1: articulation and stuff. While the other side yeah. is all the the high gain
0: yeah so so that this time i think i used my my marshall before i also have a garnet amp which i used to use a lot for that um and i i definitely use that on on this recording as well like because i have the studio space and i actually have like a lot of amps and stuff that when i would come to specific parts i'd be like oh i want to do like you know i want to try this amp on this lead, you know, and uh, this amp. So there's, I, I, I probably at least tried all the amps I had, at least for fun. I don't remember if all of them ended up being on the album, but I definitely tried them all.
1: So how are you going to do this live? You're just going to take one amp with you, or you got like an Axe Effects with all this stuff uh, queued up on it, or you're going to take like <laughs> five amps with you? <laughs>
0: yeah, well, you know it's. It's a tricky thing. Like there's for, there's always somewhat of a, a compromise when it comes to doing stuff live. Right? right. So, so we have two guitars live and, you know, sometimes on the recording, well, there's three harmonies, I mean, maybe there's four harmonies, but you know, we're going to kind of pick the ones that are the most important and, and play those. Uh, sometimes we'll maybe have a harmony on like a separate, like uh, like a sampler track uh basic harmony but yeah it's it's always a compromise you know and i think every album that we've done there's always been some some form of like studio studio studio-ness like you know like like i said like the whole band started as a studio project and uh, like when we write the songs obviously we write them jamming and we play them together but um you know at the end of it we just uh we we think about what's, what's going to sound best for the song and the album uh, in the recording studio. We're not that concerned about it live, you know, because I want people to listen to this album at home and enjoy it. And like, you know what, maybe there's something a little bit missing live, but... I don't know. It's just the compromise of what it is, right? So
1: No, I'm totally with you on that. I think all the like tricks and stuff you can do in the studio, it's fair game. You know, some people think that it's like cheating, but it's just all about how it sounds, you know? Like if it sounds good, then it sounds good, right? Like
0: Yeah, and it's it's a different thing, you know, live and studio. Like I I definitely feel you know, we put a lot of work into our our live show as well and our live performance. So I'm not trying to say that, you know, I I don't care. and We cut all these corners when we play live. I'm just saying, um, you know, there's got to be some sort of compromise to, we don't want to like sacrifice the album, what we're doing there for just the live show, right? I, I see them as kind of two different animals and we approach them a bit, a bit differently right. and there's songs that there's songs that we've written that are, are straight up just studio songs you know with like no intention of playing them live because they're just like you know completely different and it's it's just a different it's just a different experience you know for the person sitting at home or like on the bus listening to the album to the person that comes to the show and sees it live so and i you know i don't see anything wrong with that
1: Right, it'd be ridiculous to bring along like two, uh, three other guitarists with you and like every amp that she use and everything. So yeah, yeah so and it's just not—it's just
0: not realistic, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, some, some bands can do that, and yeah, more power to them. So, but no, it's just wasn't in the cards for us.
1: So you were saying that you have a second guitarist with you live? So you guys bring on a hired hand then to uh, play?
0: Yeah, we've we've almost always had a second guitarist there's there's you know what there's always been two guitars i think there's only been a few times when we were kind of like in between uh guitar like a second guitar players that we've we've toured without one just because we were so busy touring and stuff we didn't have the time to really to stop um but there's always been one actually our our drummer joined the band as uh as the other guitar player and he only got yeah he only got on drums because our drummer before him was like so sketchy, <laughs> and and never showing up to practice. So that like we would just start jamming together, and that's how he became the drummer. He actually had to uh, the first album that we did for Relapse, which was Stigmata High Five. Uh, he he it was like two or three months before I don't even know. I think it was two months before we went into the studio and i told him i was like we're gonna we're gonna kick the drummer out like you got to learn all this stuff on drums because we're going <laughs> to record and he and he did it so
1: he was yeah. a drummer before too or did he learn yeah, just yeah. because of that okay okay
0: no no he played drums before uh as well he played in another band actually he played in a local band here called insurrection for a while so he knew how to play drums it wasn't like completely new and actually our, our sketchy drummers sometimes would show up and he would have to jump on the kit and be like, this is how you play the song, right? So uh, <laughs> it, was, it was weird. But yeah, I got to give him props for doing that. So, I think uh, he still complains about being the drummer sometimes. It's been like 15 years and he's still like, I don't want to be the drummer. <laughs> I'm saying that because I know he's listening. <laughs> so
1: uh, over the course of your releases, the sound has changed dramatically uh honestly the first album i heard of y'all's was stigmata high five i had seen the promotion for disgorge mexico and i was like okay let's hear let's hear their studio album and holy shit man that that blew me away um but i never checked any of your older stuff out until i was researching for this interview and uh i was surprised to find that was a one-man project uh you started it in 1999
0: right or yeah roughly there like there's some recordings that date to like 97 and stuff like i there's, yeah, there's stuff. Like I have like a four track, but it didn't have a name, but I released that stuff in like 99. So it, I gave it its name in 99.
1: Okay. Uh, so what drove you to make this music by yourself? Like, why didn't you try to get
0: a band first? Um, I just wanted to do stuff. You know, like at the time when I started, I was playing bass in a few death metal bands in town, uh, but I just kind of felt like, We just talked about doing stuff, but never really did anything. I also had a lot of influences uh, outside of death metal that, you know, I wasn't able to, you know, I wasn't able to like express or, or do anything with. Um, And and yeah, I just, I just kind of wanted to do something. Like I started really getting into more kind of like, I don't know, like it's like hardcore, but Like, back in the day, hardcore, like I say, like, you know, bands like Spaz and, like, uh, Dystopia and His Hero is Gone. So, like, you know, like a punk metal kind of thing. And I started really getting into bands like that, like Agents of Satan and stuff. And I was, like, listening to this and I was, like, fuck, like, you know, this is, like, it was something I could really relate to. And I was, like, I could do this, you know. These are just, like, shitty kids like me (laughs) with, like, putting out shitty recordings and they're awesome. So that was kind of, like, one of the things that gave me, uh, I guess, the uh, the motivation to do it, you know, like, discovering that. Because before that, I listened to a lot of, like, you know, death metal, which was awesome. Like, you know, when I was younger, I loved, like, Deicide and Cannibal Corpse. Like, I, I still love that stuff. Uh, but it always was, like, this kind of, like, glossy metal maniacs thing. They're they're bigger than life, you know? So, I you know, I always viewed it that way. But when I discovered, like... This kind of like underground punk hardcore scene. I was I could really related to it, and it kind of like you know motivated me to to do my own thing. And it just kind of grew from that. The um, idea. Yeah, I think not starting it as a as a band is just that I I don't know. I just didn't want to fuck around. Like I knew how much I knew I knew how complicated bands are. I'm sure you know how complicated yeah, every, you every musician.
1: Of- you're tired of waiting for people to get their shit together.
0: Yeah, and I just, <laughs> I didn't, like, there, I didn't really know a lot of people that were on the same kind of, like, wavelength as me, you know, it, it, it's nothing against anyone else, really. I just, like, I liked a lot of weird music, you know, like, I like a lot of weird music, and I, I... Wouldn't have been able to find anyone that kind of wanted to do that you know like even if you see what we do now is weird if you listen to the very first recording it's fucking like it's super weird all over the place so yeah i don't know it was and it was just kind of developing that and i did that i think for a year or two and then like in 2001 I got a friend of mine who was actually a vocalist in a death metal band that I was into, uh, and he had just started to play drums and we started jamming and that's kind of when the first like band incarnation started. And that's, I think that's when I brought it to like a different level. It was like, okay, I did all the recordings cause I used to do lots of recordings at home and I was always tape trading and sending shit out all the time. And it was like, okay, now I want to play shows. So we started, ja- I think, January January 2001, we started jamming, and he had, like, been playing drums for, like, two weeks maybe. <laughs> and uh, August 2001, we played our first show, you know? Damn. So it was just, like, yeah, I'm sure it was horrible, but, you know, we just fucking wanted to get out there and start doing stuff.
1: What was the first release with, uh, like, an actual band?
0: Uh, Mullet, Mullet Fever. Mullet Fever's the first album. I think, actually, we did the 409 uh ep so, Wait, so what's
1: just going the dead then i thought that was so
0: just going the dead is just going the dead is the last thing that i did by myself
1: okay okay i was gonna say because that totally sounds like a drum machine on there and i was like there's no yeah, answer oh yeah. That. yeah yeah that's
0: fucking yeah those old
1: know. drum machines man you can just tell by the machine gun sound <laughs> oh yeah yeah no, I but that's that a sick shit. release, man. You have all the uh the uh movie quotes and stuff going on in it. That, that's mm-hmm. really awesome. I I mm-hmm. love how it opens up and everything is so good. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like I was peak listening. MySpace.
0: <laughs> uh, I, oh yeah, fuck fuck yeah. Like fucking the sample's longer than the song. Yeah. <laughs> um I was listening to someone and someone had uploaded actually recently, like what split tape I did back in the day, the guy ripped the whole thing on YouTube and I had obviously I hadn't heard it in years, but I listened to it and there's so many samples and it it brought back all this shit in my head. And I was like, I know why I put those samples because like I didn't write enough music, but I had to like, it was for like a split tape and the guy's like, all right, you need like 20 minutes of music, but I only had like, you know, maybe 14 minutes of music. So I had like six minutes of samples. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that's sick dude oh man Um. so uh, initially was it hard to work with other people on this I mean this is your baby
0: uh, yes yes and no like yeah I think you know because it is kind of my baby sometimes it's difficult to uh, to compromise in certain ways uh, but since the beginning of since the beginning of the band, I've really wanted the people that came into the band to feel like they were me like I started this project to be to have like um you know limitless creativity like you know there's no walls you wanna do something, you just do it and so anyone that came into the band, I wanted them to kind of like bring all of their influences and all of their ideas whatever they were into. And, and just put it out there, you know, and, and and I feel like we've always done that, you know, we've, we've had a few different members along the way. And it's always been like, okay, what are you into? You want to write some stuff? Let's just get it all going. You know, like you talk about the very first days, like when we released Mullet Fever, uh, there's a couple of like, actually rap songs on that. And that's, that's our vocalist at the time who was like the first vocalist for the band uh, before Mel. So he was only there for like about a year. But he was an old friend of mine. And he was really into rap. And I was like, man, you want to fucking do rap? Fuck it. Let's just do it. Let's just put a couple of rap songs on this Grindcore album. Like, who cares? <laughs> you know? Because it was like, yeah, who cares? Like, and I'm, sure, I'm sure people have listened to that and been like, why the fuck is this shit on here? <laughs> like, this doesn't make any sense. But I don't know man it it made sense for us and we even tried to do some of those songs live I'm sure it was horrible but <laughs> we tried you know like I don't know it's just, that's just kind of always been the the way the band goes it's just like let's not let's not overthink this stuff let's not feel like we need to fit into some sort of like you know um like portray some sort of image or pretend to be people that we're not you know we're just like this is who we are like the music that we write that's what comes out naturally you know we're not like we're not overthinking shit or doing stuff that you know we feel like uh people want us to do we really just do what we want to do and we've been lucky enough that people have enjoyed it
1: right good music doesn't have uh rules like you should be able to do whatever you want and just let it come out of you, you know, organically.
0: Yeah, I, I think so. You know, at the same time, like, there's something to be said for bands that can kind of create, like, some sort of, like, mystique and an image and a whole kind of storyline around their thing. And, you know, like, it's just... It's not in me to do that. I'm not that kind of person. I'm way too fucking all over the place in my brain to kind of focus on one little kind of, like, storyline.
1: Yeah. Uh, so stigmata high five had a lot of elements that you could hear in mathcore bands uh that were around at th- around the same time like uh Opus, see you next tuesday uh it had been a couple of years since i had heard stigmata high five so i listened to it again and i was just like holy shit dude that's like totally something from Psyopas or see you next tuesday um do you did you take influence from those bands or uh did they take influence from you think they took influence for you for you were you even aware of like their existence what was, what was going on around that time
0: well, we toured with Syobis. We toured oh, with Syobis for like uh, for a month. Yeah, we actually became really good friends with those guys. I still talk to those guys. Dude, Chris uh,
1: Arp is amazing. Freaking god. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know how much guitar he even plays anymore. Um,
1: I believe he has a uh, what do you call it? I think it's a a jazz like school or something. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. The last time we saw him, we were playing in Binghamton, New York, and he came out to see us and yeah, he was like totally, I think he was going to school for jazz music and he would I think he was totally like fuck metal, like doesn't <laughs> and uh but yeah, he's an incredible guitar player. I, and we had a blast touring with those guys. Like the tour itself was horrible. But we <laughs> what had What do you mean? We, what do
1: you mean? What happened?
0: It was just like a really not not a lot of great shows and stuff. It was like a month-long tour with yeah. I don't know. It just, I don't know, man. At the, at the time, this is, this is, we just released, uh, Mexico. So I think it was like 2000 2008 or something that we did this tour with them. It was us. So it was, uh, so yeah, it was fuck the facts. I uh, war from a harlot's mouth. I don't know if you remember those guys from Germany. Those guys are also still good friends, uh, and left to vanish. So it was a four, four band bill. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. There's some great moments. Like we used to do this thing, uh, called Metallica Friday where we, we would do, actually, I, I I wasn't really involved with it, but like some of the guys in our band and, and Chris Arp and Syopus guys would do Metallica covers every Friday at whatever show we were in whatever city. And, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I, I love those guys. They were they were great. I don't I don't think they were influenced from us. <laughs> I don't think they probably heard us before. Uh I, I knew who they were before we toured with them, but I hadn't listened to them a lot. But uh yeah, it was fucking it was fucking crazy. That that was a really crazy that's like uh that that is was like the peak of my space. Right. When that was happening, I actually remember every every show we would arrive and Chris Arp would pull out his laptop and he'd jump on MySpace and you just start fucking like, I don't know what it was, like friending people or whatever <laughs> you'd fucking just like nonstop like for like half an hour.
1: No, nah, man, you would get the bot that would friend people for you. <laughs>
0: I don't think I don't think he had the bot because he was just there all by himself fucking like online yeah. doing it. Yeah, yeah, whatever whatever was happening. But yeah, that was that was a lot of fun.
1: So, uh, what was your favorite mathcore band around that time, excluding Syopis because I feel like you're going to name them? But uh, what, what was your other like MySpace grind band? I guess.
0: Uh, fuck, I don't know. Uh, uh yes, yeah, <laughs> Psy- well, Psyopus but like you know, Psyopus, It's mainly because we toured with them and it was a lot of fun. Uh, it wasn't a band that I listened to a lot. Uh, so you weren't it, like it, super
1: into like the whole MySpace grind thing. Uh. Like uh, uh, Arsonist, say. get all the girls, daughters, things like that.
0: I, uh, I know those bands. I know those bands, uh, but I wouldn't say I wouldn't say any of those bands were really an influence. Okay. Uh, I think a, I Like the only like what I would say mathcore band that I could could think of off at least now would be the Dillinger. Okay, no, Dillinger, like that's Matthew, right?
1: Yeah, 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 that's Matthew, one hundred percent.
0: That's pretty. That's pretty. That's pretty techie shit. Uh, <laughs> and I, I actually, I saw Dillinger back in '97, I think it was, and they played like they. It was Dillinger with uh, Jesuit. Oh no, Jesuit didn't make it, but Botch. I don't know if you remember oh, Botch. Shit. Dude, yeah, a show I saw, right there. Yeah, it was a great it's a crazy <laughs> fucking show and uh I, there's a band from Ottawa called Buried Inside. I don't know if you remember those guys. They were actually on, rel- they were on Relapse for a while. So this was like their second show uh so back in 97 and I didn't I had no idea who Dillinger was. I just went to shows because that's what you did back then and um yeah, the Dillinger fucking played. This I think they had only released Under the Running Board. So even Calculating Infinity wasn't even out. But okay. anyway, Dillinger Dillinger played and I was like, this is fucking insane. I was like blown away. I was one of like maybe fucking twenty or thirty people in the room, you know. This is like very early in their career, but um I was I was hooked, man. I bought Under the Running Board. I bought their first uh their first CD, like the self-titled one, the EP. Uh, And I listened to that shit like fucking crazy. And obviously when Calculating Infinity came out, I listened to that stuff like crazy, you know? And I I tried to rip off, like I'm nowhere near a good enough guitar player to play like them, but I tried to rip off (laughs) their style for sure. There's a lot of shit that like, you know, I think like this sounds like Dillinger. Like I did a lot of that stuff for sure.
1: He's like let's get a drum machine, get some audio samples in here. Let's do this shit, man.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure.
1: <laughs> um so uh what what did you think though of bands like Daughters and the Number 12 things like that? Like uh, were you like eh, it's, you know, that's off to the side. Like I'm, I'm not really into that kind of stuff or you know. No,
0: it's no, it's cool, man. Like I don't know. I I don't shit on anyone for like Well, it's know. all personal
1: taste, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, it's personal taste. Like I don't. Like, I'll we, tell you we,
1: that I I didn't like that stuff back in the day. I I stayed as far away from math core as possible back in the day, and then I rediscovered it a couple years later. A couple years ago, uh, like yeah, five years ago now. But
0: yeah, I didn't even. I don't know. I didn't really realize it was MathCore or or what it was. I don't know. You know what? I I, I there might have been a point where I think I was like a little bit biased towards. Or I just wasn't feeling as much some of the MySpace era stuff. I don't, <laughs> I don't know why. Maybe I was just going too fucking grindcore or something. But uh, I don't know. Like I don't daughters daughters I had. I think their first album.
1: Hell yeah, the, first dude, album was the more
0: like the, uh Is that the first one?
1: Uh, yeah, it's their first album.
0: Okay. That makes sense. But that's not the one where he sounds like Elvis, right?
1: Oh, right. That's no, no, that's the next one. It's Hell Songs.
0: Okay. Yeah, Hell Songs. Okay. So Canada Songs I had, and I, I remembered enjoying it. Uh, Hell Songs, I, I don't remember even really listening to it that much. Uh, but the other bands you mentioned, like Arson, Get All the Girls. Uh, I don't think I heard it. I, You know what? I feel like I have – because I also worked at a, a music venue – Worked at a music venue, uh, do a live sound. I feel I, I think I did live sound for those guys when they came through a oh, few sick. years ago, uh, and they were really nice guys, from what I remember. Uh, but I uh, feel like I
1: put you on the spot. I'm kind of sorry. <laughs> no,
0: no, it's it's fine. It's like it's just <laughs> stuff that it's just stuff that I haven't thought about in like fucking like a decade plus. You know, it's just, it's such a such an old period. So I'm trying to like remember how I was back then. and uh it's hard like you know i actually i went to the i went to montreal i saw the locust in montreal and i I actually i specifically remember that being a really good show i enjoyed the show i think more than i've enjoyed some of their albums but live it was like deadly tight it was super good uh see you next tuesday i i know the band uh i'm not super familiar with the music though
1: Dude, you gotta so. check out Parasite. It is insane. Oh my god. That's what that's got that me their al-
0: That's their album? Uh, that's, that's the name the, of the album? The debut album. That's their debut okay. album. They have, they have
1: one on. other one afterwards, but Parasite, holy shit, man. Okay, so back to you guys, because we're talking about Fuck the Facts here. (laughs) Uh, So now your music has definitely incorporated more of a sludgy, post-metal sound. I actually saw someone in the comments for your uh, first singles video calling you uh, post-grindcore, which I think is actually a pretty good definition. Uh, So uh, what are your current influences?
0: Mm. I think my my current influences are... A lot of my old influences, like you know, I, I, I haven't paid as much attention to newer stuff that's coming out. Um, not for any reason; it's just that I, I just haven't. You know, when we when we took a break a few years ago, I kind of really, I really shut off all that stuff. Like you know, I, I was never much of a social media person or any of that stuff before anyway so when the band stopped i was like fuck i don't have to deal with any of this shit so i just like turned all that stuff off and just stopped paying attention like i don't need to read all these metal websites and stuff anymore like who cares so i wasn't really paying attention uh to what was going on so uh but more now as as stuff has started to pick up i'm, I'm starting to pay more attention i'm listening out for more bands like i don't know i I'm still horrible at like naming all the bands, but I know there's a lot of good stuff coming out from young bands now, you know, but when I, when I sit down and I pick up my guitar or when I'm jamming with a drummer, a lot of it's just kind of what it's, I feel like there's a period in your life where you're the most gonna, you know, that that there's a period of your life that's gonna stick with you the longest. And for me, it's like kind of the, you know, the, the mid mid nineties to like, you know, early two thousands, like just that's when like music was like my life. And I was so immersed into it and I was really listening to everything and discovering a lot of stuff, you know, before like kind of, even before I started my own band and just started doing my own thing. I was just more about like discovering other bands. So when, when I sit down and I, I, I play stuff, you know, a lot of it goes back to a lot of early death metal, a lot of, you know, like I say, a lot of early hardcore and punk. Um, there are things that we write that are influenced by bands that we have, we've toured with, you know, like we toured a bunch with Ken mode. There's definitely a couple of things we wrote. There was like, this is kind of like Ken mode. That's cool. You know? And, um, I don't think we ever wrote anything we thought that was like psyops. I don't think we're not good enough to do that. But uh, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. That's that's kind of the influences. It's just like the stuff that I that I was into, and I'm not. I'm not trying to be like the old man. Like, oh, it was so much better back then. It's just <laughs> like it's. It wasn't. It was just different. But I was younger back then, and it just kind of like affected me differently. And it's just one of those things that sticks with you forever, you know
1: i got you man Uh, that's interesting because i would say that your sound now is like uh i don't know kind of uh contemporary i guess with some of the other uh artists that are going around uh like uh i thought that you guys would be or that you would be more um influenced by like the whole uh what do you call that uh black and sludge kind of stuff that's going on right now um i can't think of bands off the top of my head now but uh yeah i I thought for sure that y'all were listening to some more current stuff so yeah. it's interesting that oh, you came well, to this to this sound without that stuff influencing you.
0: Yeah, but you know, I still hear like I still like listen to whatever's kind of happening. If a uh, friend recommends something and they're like, hey, check this out, like I'll listen to it, you know, like I'm not.
1: Yeah, you're not completely um, closed off. I got you.
0: Yeah, no, no, definitely not. Uh, you know, if anything, sometimes I feel like, oh, I should, I should probably check out more things, but you know, it's, I just don't, it, <laughs> I'm not like a 19 year old kid anymore. You know, I have like two kids and like all this other shit going on in my life. Sometimes it's, it's hard to to uh, check out as much new stuff as I did before. But uh yeah. It, it's cool. It's it's funny you mentioned some of this stuff because I had when we put out the first single, like the plain wasar, I had friends texting me uh or one friend specifically was like, dude, it's totally like uh, it reminded him of like I don't know, maybe said post hardcore or something like some like weird a screamo. One guy said Screamo. Okay. And I was uh, yeah, and I was like, I don't even know what the fuck Screamo is. <laughs> but, you know, yeah. Yeah. And so so I guess, you know, there's stuff that we're we're maybe influenced by that maybe we don't even know as much, you know. It gets back to what I was saying, right? We just kinda like play what we play and when we hear stuff, what we like it, you know, we don't worry about it, oh, is this fast enough, or is this brutal enough, or is it technical enough or whatever, you know, it's just like, ah, that's cool, let's just go with it. You know, I think I think some of it, like you're talking about, like the sledge elements, that I I do feel like a lot of the stuff is probably slowed down a bit. I don't know, maybe it's age or something, but I definitely <laughs> feel like I definitely feel like we've probably slowed down a couple of notches.
1: Yeah, but it's still like uh, I don't know, intense. I guess uh, it's your music's hard to describe. Some of it's like this up uh, uplifting kind of kind of moments, like with the. Yeah. Uh, Oh, what are you, I guess, like, uh, you have these kind of, like, metalcore-y melodies happening, and then you have, like, the super-fast, brutal parts, and it's really interesting, the the melting pot of your sound.
0: Yeah, cool. Yeah, I hope so, and, you know, hopefully, hopefully it sounds natural, because, I don't know, we don't... I, I definitely love melody. Like, I'm a huge fan. Like, I love blast beats and total, like, chaos and destruction, but I find mixing that with, like, melodic stuff is, you know... Like, I love, you know, I used to love, like, you know, old Catatonia and Paradise Lost, uh, stuff like that. This is like you know a big influence on a lot of the stuff we do. And those aren't fucking grindcore bands at all, or or anything like that. But I really like the kind of melodies that those bands did. You know, and and we like kind of I guess you know sad music or dark music. Like a lot of the, a lot of the themes that even Mel works with in the lyrics are are pretty dark on the album and. And I don't know, there's some. There's something about that. We like music that kind of stirs emotion.
1: Right, right. That's why I was really into uh, Sigmata High Five when I first heard it. Because, like, I love the stuff that just turns on a dime. Like, from really intense uh, intense moments to just, like, you know, a, a beautiful uh, uplifting part. <laughs> just, like, that, yeah. that's awesome, man. That it takes real skill to write something like that that flows well, you know? Instead of like, just being this jarring experience. And I feel like y'all did a really good job with that
0: cool well like i said it's it's not forced you know we just kind of do it we're not we're not trying to be wacky maybe we end up being wacky in some ways but uh we're we're not trying to oh i I don't think it's
1: wacky necessarily (laughs) it's like i said it it still flows really really well it's not like uh you're not like trying to be cute or whatever with it you know I think it's really good, man. Uh, So let's go on to the writing process here. I assume you're mainly directing it. You were saying people bring in, you know, uh, things here and there, but uh, I would assume you're the one that's kind of putting it all together, right?
0: Yeah, well, I think, uh, so Phil and I, like our drummer, are really, I guess, like the the writing force. Uh, You know, I think especially on this album, where it was just the two of us, doing the music we at, we actually had a couple of songs uh from before that we took the break that we that uh, uh, like ex-members have kind of like inputted on as well or helped write uh as well uh but a lot of the writing is is me and our drummer vil uh and like i said our drummer vil, is also a guitar player so he, he's a crazy good he's a he's a much better guitar player than i am so he writes a lot of the crazy stuff that you hear maybe the super like hard shit to play it's probably him that wrote it <laughs> um, but yeah it's it's mainly the two of us will do it like sometimes we'll we'll de- we'll demo some stuff at home but mostly the stuff that we write is uh is just jamming we'll just be like you know in the jam space and we'll just like start playing like i said we've been jamming together for uh, about 15 years now so it just comes, like, really naturally. I think even after we had taken a break and we hadn't jammed for a year or so, uh, we hadn't jammed for a year or so, um, it came really naturally to start just playing again, you know? And a song like Plain Noir Sire, that is, like, the first single we put out, that song was written completely just just jamming, just in the jam space. It's actually the very first song that we wrote after our break. So...
1: Yeah, well, that's sick, man. Um, so I uh, just lost my spot. Perfect. Okay, so uh, before we move on, just wanted to make sure chat knows you guys can just drop questions anytime. I will definitely try to read them. Um, so you were talking about having this long break. What what did happen in twenty seventeen? Uh, did you guys like actually break up then, or uh, it just seems like your social media posts just stopped there and then started back uh, May last year? So what what yeah. happened exactly? <laughs>
0: uh yeah we stopped we kind of i don't know like
1: an announcement that y'all broke up or anything like that you just stopped
0: yeah we never i don't know i i'm personally not a fan of the whole like you know we're breaking up last show kind of thing or anything just because you don't know it i don't know it's just my personal preference i think it's such an it's an easy card to play when you're, you know, to kind of like cash in on, you know, it's like, yeah, oh. Yeah,
1: break up, wait a couple of years. Oh, reunion tour.
0: Come on out. Yeah, yeah. yeah we're going to break up. it's just like, you know, <laughs> oh, we're breaking up. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, you're breaking up? Like all these people that never cared about you all of a sudden care about you? So I don't know. It's just like, I don't know. But we never, we never, so we never broke up. It wasn't like, oh, we're breaking up. But we did decide to take, a break which was like a conscious sort of thing uh when we put out uh desirable rot so desirable rots the last album we put out in 2015 uh and we toured on that into 2016 um and we kind of did we did all that stuff knowing that that was going to be the last tours and you know the last the last anything for who knows when like so you know we came home we did our last show it was like in italy we came home and everyone was just like all right see ya and <laughs> and that was it you know and uh uh i don't know there wasn't there wasn't really any plan now until we like sat around for a while and then i wrote to our drummer Ville, And I was like, you know, we went out, we got a beer together. And I was like, do you want to just start jamming? And we decided, yeah, we just started jamming with no intention. It wasn't like, Oh, we're getting the band back together and we're going to do all this stuff. No, it was just like, let's uh, start jamming and have fun. You know, if it's not fun, we'll just fucking stop and go back to doing what we were doing before. Uh, but yeah, no, it was, it's fun. Like I said, it came really naturally and we just started writing stuff and, and, uh, yeah, and like you said, like we did everything. We did everything with the album, kind of like behind the scenes, because we didn't really know what we wanted to do, you know. So we didn't want to like, oh, we didn't want to like, you know, get out there and be at some point like, oh, we're writing a new album, you know. Oh, we're we're starting to record. We just kind of did all that shit, like you know, even the video for the first song, like you know, we did that. We did that actually almost a year ago um and just yeah we just kind of like we're doing all this stuff and then when it was time to when we're like okay let's do this we just kind of put it all out there so yeah i don't know it's 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 one of those well it's a weird thing man like i've been doing this band for what you say like fuck i don't know like over 20 years right so more than half of my life has been this band uh it's it's a, it's a weird thing because it's, to me, it's not even just a band, you know, it's, it's part of my, it's part of who I am. Right. So right. it's, it's a delicate relationship that I have with it. You know, sometimes it brings me a lot of enjoyment. Um, but when we took the break, it was like, I don't like doing this anymore. I have to, you know, I don't know. She I had to, price. I had to stop. Yeah. Whatever it was, you know, it just it was kind of one of those things. And I felt like when I I was talking about it with people, even at the time, where it's like I don't think I liked touring the last three years that we did it. You know, I just did it because that's what that's what we had always done. But went out on the road and just played shows. But I feel like I wasn't really happy doing it. You know, and just I just kind of needed to stop and. When, when we got back together and we talked about it, it was like, all right, let's do this. But, you know, it's a bit of a different approach now. You know, we're different We're different people and, you know, we're, we're all older with different responsibilities and things going on in our lives that um, if we're going to do it, you know, it was before it was like, okay, hey, like I said, we signed a relapse, everyone quit their jobs and let's go on the road for like a few years. Now it was like, Okay, like the band is fun, but we're not going to like sacrifice, you know, our our own personal lives to, you know, go play some grindcore shows.
1: So are y'all trying to get out and tour next year if things open up or are you just going to do a couple local shows or something?
0: Yeah, I don't know if I don't know if touring is really in the cards, i don't know like it's something we'd have to check out you know like it's that's that hasn't obvious with the whole pandemic and everything that's happened it's just not even a discussion well, we've say things had. open
1: up next year like uh what are you are you personally wanting to go on tour
0: I would like to go play a few shows yeah for sure you know I don't know if we could keep doing like you know five six week tours and stuff like that uh like I said just because you know everyone's life is is different now you know uh everyone kind of everyone kind of like maintained really low-key uh lives and jobs just so that we could like you know at the drop of the hat, go on tour, but that's not the situation that we're in anymore. So, um, I, I definitely miss playing shows, uh, and and would like to play some shows. Like, obviously we just put out this album. We would have loved to play like, you know, at least a a hometown release show, um, and a few shows around that we were supposed to go play Maryland death fest in May, uh, that got canceled. We were supposed to play some shows around that. So, um,
1: Dude, I saw yeah. that, and on the flyer, your logo is so far down. Like, what the heck are they doing, man? You need to be <laughs> higher up there, you know. I saw that. I'm like, oh, oh, yeah. they have to be like, you know, at least in the middle of this thing, and you're just like way down here. I'm like, what? This doesn't make any sense, man. Yeah, it's all
0: good, man. <laughs> it's all good. No, it's cool. It's, it's you know, it's. Yeah, we we played Maryland Death Best, uh a couple of times before. The last time was like ten years ago. We were so we were super stoked that. We got invited back because uh, I'm sure it's not even the same anymore. It's probably bigger than it was even 10 years ago. So it was, uh, but it, w- it was always a blast. You know, we played we played a lot of different festivals, but Maryland Death Fest is like the festival for the kind of music that we play. Right? You know what I mean? It's Whereas the we mecca play, like,
1: for this kind of music.
0: Yeah, yeah. Besides that, I think actually, like maybe we played Obscene Extreme. That's maybe another one but uh, yeah those are just those are just a joy to play and uh, I hope we get to play next year I don't I don't know how good things are looking now I don't think they're looking very good so uh, we'll see even next year well I, I've been hearing be.
1: um people that are like uh do like lighting and sound and stuff for these shows that like go around and tour and for like big tours and stuff I've heard that they're saying uh that they're getting ready for like march and stuff to like try to go out and stuff I, I think it's a little soon but uh there's some optimism mm-hmm. at least going along and going around you know
0: yeah I understand stuff needs to get planned in advance you know so you can't blame people for uh for trying to get the ball rolling. Right. It's the right. same here. Like there's, there's shows announced in November and stuff. It's like, I don't know how oh, realistic yeah, that I is, that. but, uh, <laughs> but, you know, I understand that, you know, there's a lot of businesses that are suffering and they need to, you know, and a lot of bands there's like, you know, there's a lot of bands that this is actually musicians out there that this is their career, you know, like, I like not being able to tour, and not do this stuff. is like, actually probably saving me money. Cause I get to go to work, <laughs> but you know, for other bands, that's their job. So, you know, I can, I can see how it's tough for a lot of people.
1: So, uh, you and Mel are together. Um, how long have you guys been together?
0: Uh, since 2002. That's crazy. So like 18 years
1: and in a band, like that's wild. Were, were y'all, were you scared to get like, uh, romantically involved? Uh, afraid that the band might fall apart if y'all broke up, that kind of thing.
0: um so we were already together when she joined the band she actually uh so we were dating and like i said our our original vocalist like the original band vocalist uh the the rapper guy um (laughs) he didn't want to play some shows but she was actually like this is not the first band that mel has been in she played in uh in hardcore and metal bands before this
1: oh really as a vocalist, as a vocalist? It, oh wow that's wild dude.
0: yeah yeah she was a vocalist we actually before we even met we played a show together and we didn't even know like we played she played in her band and i played my band we never talked never met or anything and and huh. a year a year or two later we actually like hooked up so uh yeah so what happened was like while we were we were dating that our old vocalist didn't want to play a couple of shows or, you know, he was kind of on his way out anyway. So I just asked Melt if she could fill in for the shows and she agreed. And, uh, that kind of obviously just turned into her staying in the band. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a crazy, it's a crazy thing. I think for any band, like we're not the only couple that's in a band, but I'm sure, I'm sure it's one of those things that's like, uh, I don't know, I would say I would say now it's 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 awesome, always, you know, because it just like makes it um it makes it uh really easy, you know, and it's like we we're always working on stuff together as if like you know we were a couple and I was still doing this, and she was just like you know maybe some like normal normal woman, (laughs) she'd be like, what the fuck are you doing? (laughs) Like, this is stupid. Like, you know, um, but, uh, since we both do this together, we're in it together. And I think it's actually one of those things that's, that's actually made our relationship last. Like, you know, there's obviously lots of other reasons, but I think it's helped and it's made it better because we've kind of had, we've always had this project. So, you know, like now we have two kids together, but really, the band was like our first kid. So before any kids, yeah. Yeah. So before any kids showed up, it was like band, band, band. And we were like, we were super focused on doing this, you know, like where I remember like years and years ago, we were having trouble with some members, like, and because we were super gung-ho this is even before we signed to relapse we were super gung-ho and we had members that were a bit flaky and we were like sitting at my uh kitchen table actually this i've been in this house forever so just here and we were like all right this is you know we're just gonna fucking do what we want to do and whoever leaves leaves and it's just like going full out and uh yeah it's just been gung-ho since then and it's yeah it's, it's really cool man and it's it kind of goes with the band where there's like the, the progression of, of just who we are as people and who we are as artists and musicians and things. And that's, I think that's one of the things I enjoy the most about fuck the facts is just that I can look at back at it. And, you know, like there was a period where i look back and I just be like, I turned red. I'm just so fucking embarrassed about some of the shit I did in the past. I'm like, this is so bad. Like, but now I look back and I'm like, you know what, this is like, that's who I was at the time. You know, it's like if you look through your yearbook or something, you're like, fuck, I look like shit. Or someone like takes like a shitty picture of you, like the beach. You're like, but, you know, looking back on it now, like this, this is awesome. Like, you know, as fucked up as it is, like I was saying, like those rap songs or, you know, we did a lot of fucking weird (laughs) shit. I I look I look back on it and I'm like, I'm glad I did all that fucked up shit because it just kind of like, you know, I always just stayed true to what it was and I have a really clear picture of the person I was, you know, like, yeah, I like probably played some really shitty guitar and like progressively got better and all these things. So yeah, I don't know. It's, it's been a really fun experience and it's really cool that, you know, we've been able to enjoy it together, you know?
1: Yeah. You get to share like, with somebody like, into yeah, that. that's awesome. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, you know, it's like, uh, I don't know if it's weird, like for our our drummer, Vil, because, you know, we're the couple and he's like, not the couple, but, you know, he's really been there for a really long time. Like this guy joined the band when he was, I think like, you know, 18 years old or something. And now he's like, you know, he's like, you know, mid thirties. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy that we've all kind of grown up together and and done this together and, and still want to keep doing it.
1: He says he's 35 and fat. I see you, Bill. Is it weird for you (laughs) being in this band? What's (laughs) up? Okay, so uh, you have two kids, and you're in a band called Fuck the Facts. How do you balance being parents with being metal as fuck?
0: (laughs) I'm not that metal, but... (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So,
1: like... uh, Oh, uh, do you? I assume you have like play dates and like some kind of childcare, that kind of thing. Uh, what do other what do other parents think of your uh of your life of your I guess your band? And uh, yeah, yeah, what do they think about it?
0: Well, I well, we would never bring that up to anyone. Like I don't know, yeah. might, you know when you're when you're like you know in your like early twenties and stuff, it's cool to be in a band, right? You tell all your friends like, come see my band and do all this shit. Like I'm like in my forties now. I <laughs> don't tell anyone that I play in a grindcore band. Like none of my friends, none of my friends want to leave their house, let alone to go see some fucking shitty grindcore band like you know
1: none of them recognize um, you'd be like oh shit you're the guy who fucked the facts you got the the Juno nomination <laughs>
0: <laughs> no no i don't talk to any of i don't talk to like i stopped years because i have like obviously friends that are like you know around my age that i hang out with and i watch hockey games with and all that shit but like i don't even talk about my band like i stopped talking about it like ages ago it's uh it's just be weird so obviously <laughs> yeah we don't bring it up i my as uh, so I have two kids. My youngest is two and my oldest is 10. And my oldest one, I think she thinks it's kind of cool that her parents are in a band. Uh, but um, yeah, she's not going to go and, and talk about it, I think, with her friends. I, I joke about it with her sometimes because I'm a dad. So I got to make like a whole bunch of like horrible jokes. So I got to <laughs> be like, she's in like grade five. And I'm like, so your friend's asking about the new Fuck the Facts album. <laughs> it's like, don't leak the album to your friends. And she's just like embarrassed by stupid (laughs) shit. But uh, yeah, it's funny too, man, because like, obviously when I started this whole thing, like fuck the facts when I was like, you know, so much younger, I never imagined I would have all these like fuck the facts t-shirts sitting here with my like little kids having to explain all this shit, you know, I just kind of do this stuff.
1: What was her What was her first word Was it fuck by any chance?
0: <laughs> no, no, it no. <laughs> it's
1: just like going to school and say saying. Have they said the f word in class or anything? Because they heard it from here.
0: Uh, no, well, my oldest is the only one that can talk. She knows. <laughs> I don't. She can. She can say fuck the facts. Yeah. But I think she's. But she's not. She's not supposed to say like the like fuck. Elsewhere, yeah, like, yeah. you can say you can say fuck as long as you follow with the facts. That's kind of the rule we have.
1: <laughs> so, what does she think of your music?
0: Uh, no, she doesn't fucking care. <laughs> yeah, she's not into metal. She likes Taylor Swift. Oh, like, what?
1: How how did you let this happen? Your, your metal parents?
0: <laughs> yeah, I guess we're not we're not that metal. It's, yeah, no. She she says she likes it because it's us. But uh, no, it's not her thing. Yeah, not at all. Because I listen to, like, as obviously, I I work in this as well. I work with a lot of different, like, death metal bands and stuff. So I'll be listening to a lot of metal around the house sometimes. And she tolerates it, but she really doesn't care for it. I had this dream like you know when I was when I was younger before I had kids. Like, it would be awesome. I have a kid they're going to want to listen to Morbid Angel with me and stuff, but no. Oh, yeah. That's not that's not the reality. <laughs> maybe my maybe my second one will. We'll see.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh let's talk a bit, little bit about about a little bit about the label. Um how long have you been doing Noise Salvation? Uh
0: 2014, I think. We okay. released, uh, yeah, we released a EP called Abandoned, and that was kind of the beginning of the label. So we had released stuff before that independently. We just never gave it a name. But uh, I don't know. We we kind of we kind of decided like, all right, we're gonna keep doing this. I think this is the relapse thing was done, and we knew we were gonna go solo. So uh, we started that, and uh, just
1: to try to like legitimize the music or something. Or?
0: I don't know. I don't want to say I don't, I don't think it was really trying to like legitimize. It was like having a label was kind of one of those things that I always had in the back of my head that I would have liked to do. Like I did it in the past as well. Like I had, like I said, I did a lot of tape trading and stuff like that. So I had various kind of labels, uh, back in the day, but yeah, I don't know. It wasn't about legitimizing. I think it was just kind of something I wanted to do. And, uh, yeah it just we just kind of we just kind of rolled with it but we you know we only released like fuck the fact stuff i think we released like one side project that we had and it was more recently like a couple of years ago that i put out uh a couple of recordings for other bands but but the but the label is still like basically you know 95 just kind of there for the band mm-hmm. like i've had people write me and be like oh how do we sign with noise salvation it's like we're not a real label like it's <laughs> You know, it's not, it's not that kind of thing.
1: <laughs> He's like, keep it moving, keep it moving, come on. <laughs> uh, what's the hardest aspect of running the label?
0: Uh, doing all the shit DIY. You know, uh, it's a lot of fucking work, man. Like, <laughs> is it
1: just you, or is it the whole band that's running it?
0: Uh, well, we we do everything together. You know, now it's been a bit trickier because of the whole. Uh, pandemic thing so i actually haven't i haven't even seen vil since uh the summer we went to a cottage together but uh yeah so i haven't really but you know he's kind of been doing his thing on his end and mel and i are kind of doing our thing here so um (laughs) Yeah. I don't know, man. It's, it's, it's a lot of work putting out your own music, you know, it's, it's it's one of those things. It's like, like I was saying earlier, it's really gratifying because you get to communicate with people that, uh, are into your band and you're like, you're really hands on in that way. But, uh, you know, once you're packing all those CDs and all that stuff and, you know, we have to send everything out to get pressed. We deal with all the pressing and everything. So like I said, the only thing we don't do is the PR, which we get, we get John to do. Cause you know, that's, that's where I, like, I draw the line. Like, fuck, I, I hate sitting at a computer more than I need to. So I let John do that shit.
1: <laughs> okay. Uh, so, uh, what are you currently jamming? Uh, what, 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 what What I'm sorry. What did you like last listen to?
0: I <laughs> don't. Uh, Lionel Richie. I, don't know. <laughs> I was gonna Probably say. I hope way. it's not
1: Taylor Swift. I hope it's not Taylor Swift.
0: No, no. <laughs> I, listen to, uh, I don't know, man. I listen to a lot of different things. I actually, I actually really like. Uh, there's a Lionel Richie album called "Can't Slow Down." And uh, it's actually one of my one of my favorite albums to like listen to while I'm like working on shit. Like we were cutting out covers on Friday, like me and Mel. Uh, we had kind of like a date night where we just like you know we got rid of the kids. We sent the kids to the their grandparents, and we just threw on some Lionel Richie and cut out uh, fuck the facts covers all night. <laughs> so okay,
1: uh, uh, do you have but, like an yeah. album of the year from the, for this year? Uh, like a metal band.
0: Do I have one? Not yet. No. Do you? Did you pick one?
1: Uh I mean I got a couple contenders contenders. Couple contenders.
0: Better uh, be us.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, <laughs> your, your album's fucking sick, dude. Uh someone that y'all should probably check out is uh God Awful Truth. They just released a sick album. Uh Friday okay.
0: actually. Should check that shit out. God Awful oh, Truth. That's cool. Yeah. I like the band name.
1: Oh yeah, it's fucking sick too. And uh they they just fucking killed it on that. Uh, so what countries have you been to? I know you can't name them all, but <laughs> how many uh, can
0: name? Uh, we've been to a lot. Um, I can tell you where we haven't been that I would like to go. Okay. Uh, I haven't been to Japan, which I really would have Really? I would have figured point. you guys
1: would have gotten there.
0: Huh. Yeah. I don't know, man. We're not, I don't feel like we actually get a lot there like it's one of the places that we don't really get a lot of orders from and stuff like once in a while we'll get like a random one but it's not a place that we sell a lot of stuff to so I
1: feel like uh, they're very closed off from like the rest of the world kind of you know they have like their yeah. own thing going on
0: yeah I don't know how we did like when we were on relapse actually when we were on relapse I always remember there was always kind of like a Japanese edition that was put out for for albums okay. I, I, I don't remember exactly why there, there was some sort of reasoning why Japan always had, like, a different kind of version of albums. But uh, that's a place I would really love to go. Russia's another place I've never been, but I'd love to go. The guys from Syopus got to go there. I was super jealous. <laughs> um, uh, where else? Like Australia? Not gone there. Uh, oh, or uh, Southeast Asia? Yeah, we, we tried to. We tried to go to Australia, like, years ago. I uh, just couldn't find couldn't get it together. I don't know. The guy that we were talking with at the time was like, I think it was like a legit promoter and he was just trying to do all this crazy shit. And we're just like, we don't care. We just want to fucking go there and, and play shows, you know, as long as like we can cover our, you know, our expenses, that's all we cared about. Like, you know, so because going to Australia is super expensive. Yeah. So, uh, so that's another place like any Southeast Asia. We've never been there. Uh, haven't been to South America either, so those those are probably really. I see.
1: I thought you had been like kind of all over the place.
0: Uh, no, no, not everywhere. So it's really
1: just been like Europe and the United States, then.
0: Yeah, yeah. I went to Mexico. Tour- well, to I-, I was going to say, like,
1: why did you choose to uh, record that in Mexico? Discourge Mexico.
0: Yeah. Well, we did a tour in Mexico. So and, you just like uh, might
1: as well just record this, or?
0: No, the album discourse Mexico. Yeah. No, that album was recorded in Ottawa. It was recorded here. Oh, uh, yeah, okay. yeah. I'm confused. just like, <laughs> yeah, it is confusing. I'm also confused by it. <laughs> it's a very confusing backstory. Um, but anyway, uh, we did we did a tour of Mexico with uh, Landmine Marathon, uh, which is a band from the I think Phoenix, and uh, that was like 2014 or something. Oh, so. okay. yeah yeah we've been a lot of like cool places we got to go to scandinavia so like norway and finland sweden that was that was a lot of fun uh uk tour that was a blast as well yeah yeah usually like touring in general especially now like see it's always funny when you look back on stuff because you always like uh it always seems better than it was you forget about like all like the shitty shows and like sleeping on floors and all that stuff you're like oh that was a lot of fun so yeah.
1: Well, uh, you have any awesome tour stories?
0: Oh, tour! awesome tour stories? Oh, my God. There's uh, there's a lot of tour stories. I don't know, man. What do you want? <laughs> <laughs> Give me some sort of subject. Oh, there's like man, so uh... much fucking crazy shit that's <laughs> happened.
1: What's the first thing that pops in your head?
0: Uh, the first thing that pops into my head okay there's this isn't even that much of a tour story because it was a is a show we played in in canada um I'm trying to remember, uh, in hawaii i think hawaanda we played anyway it's about six or seven hours from here um and uh so we went and played the show in Hawaii and we came, this is the winter. It was like January, I think it was January, 2016. So actually this was, I think a uh, desirable rot era where we were we were almost stopping to play shows. Uh, and coming back from this show, we were driving home because we always drove home right after the shows when it was the last show. So we're driving home at night and I asked Val to pull over cause I need to take a leak. And she pulls over into this little path and we get kind of the van gets kind of like stuck right so we're like okay fuck this kind of sucks so we try to back up and we're not able to but we're able to go forward so it's like okay let's go forward and the more if we go forward and we get stuck again and we realize that we're actually on like a skidoo trail and <laughs> we're completely fucking stuck in the snow uh and okay, uh, for
1: americans what's a skidoo trail
0: you know what a skidoo is? No, no? I live in
1: Texas, I, man. Holy <laughs> really fuck!
0: Uh, a skidoo is like um, it's like a vehicle that rides on the snow.
1: So a snowmobile. Uh,
0: yeah, but it doesn't have wheels. It has just like it's like uh, like ski, like skis, like skis okay. instead of wheels. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, actually, I forgot. Anyway, when we got when we first got stuck. We we called a tow truck and they tried to pull us out and this tow truck got stuck and he had to, he had to get a tow truck to get him out. No way. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it was, it was the most fucked up thing. I, I don't want, I don't want the story to go on forever. So it, we got stuck completely. We tried so hard to get out. We emptied the van. We tried pushing it. We tried all this shit. Um, I called CAA and CAA, is kind of like a triple A AAA for you guys. Okay. Uh, so they, uh, the guy brings me he's like I can't do anything for you so he brings me to this other place where they have these like crazy trucks and basically no one can help us <laughs> right so it was it's. I've been in so many insane situations in my life like on tour but this was the first time ever that I was like I have no idea how the fuck we're gonna get out of this because <laughs> like a- anyone that's usually supposed to be able to help you can't help us you know and I was just like This is so fucked up. And we were, this is the middle of winter uh, and we're freezing. The van is running. And at some point we're going to like run out of gas. So we won't be able to have heat on. Um, And anyway, eventually we stay there, I think like seven or eight hours. And in the morning we call the cops and we're just like, we're fucking stuck. Like we don't know what to do. Um, And the cop shows up. And as this cop is showing up, there's like what I called like a, a snow tank, so it's basically this fucking huge thing that I guess kind of like keeps the the skidoo trail uh, functioning or cleans it, right? So this guy in the snow tank comes, and the cop asks him, "Can you help him?" And he offers to help us. So he hooks up his like, and this guy has no problem driving on the snow. It's a fucking tank, right? It doesn't have like tires; it's just got like those those tank fucking treads. Okay. Uh, so that so that guy like hooks up his his tank with a chain to our van and he's like, just so you know, I'm not responsible for what happens to your van. And we're like, we're just so like fucking freaked out by the whole thing. We're just like, we don't care. Just get us out of here. This fucking sucks. So the guy's like, okay, I'll start driving and you got to steer. And, uh, I just thought it would be like this like slow thing where he's like drives and you're like slowly pulling you out. But he just started and he just fucking just like ripped us like ripped (laughs) us like super fast um, along the way and actually like smashed one of the um, rear view mirrors. No, not the rear view, the side side mirror. Oh, shit yeah anyways smash the force
1: impossible. was so hard or something it just no well,
0: it hit a tree it, the, the mirror hit a tree and just like oh. broke it off
1: oh <laughs> but, at that, but we were
0: just like you know anyway this <clears throat> this guy this guy uh pulled us out and uh he was like oh sorry it's like we don't fucking care i don't even give a fuck about <laughs> the mirror It i was just like being out of that it was just like it was driving on the road, I was just like, felt like high. I was just so fucking like pumped, you know, cause I don't know. It maybe it doesn't sound like that fucked up of a story, but that's like the time that I remember feeling the most kind of, I guess, like defeated in a way where it's like, I have no idea what to do. Like I've been, like I said, tons of fucking fucked up situations or complicated situations, but something kind of always clicks and you always figure it out. But this was the only time where it just kind of like felt like really helpless. So, Getting out of that like really just like opened my mind and like you know it was like one of those you know my life was never in danger but I kind of felt one of those like how lucky I was <laughs> situations.
1: So uh, that was the worst experience. What about the best one?
0: Oh, the best one? Uh, I don't know. There's been a lot of great things, man. Uh, like MDF, I think it was huge. That might be that might be one of some of the best shows we've played.
1: Is that the largest uh, crowd you played to?
0: Uh, oh yeah, I think MDF for sure is definitely the largest crowd that we played to. How
1: many yeah, people you? I, I, I
0: don't, I don't know. know. I'm horrible at guessing that, but I would guess it was probably like a thousand or two thousand. Oh shit! Like that. It was there was a lot of people, man. For like, damn. Yeah, there was a lot of people. Yeah, it was crazy. Like MDF's, MDF's a funny thing. At least like back in the day, there was so many. There's so many like bands like ours that are used to playing. You know, like a basement to like eighty people or like fucking less than that. You know, they get to play to like you know a couple of thousand people. It's just really, it's really weird, surreal. But yeah, MDF I think was definitely a highlight. Like a lot of the touring that we did in in Europe uh was amazing a lot of fun i know like some of the shows we played in paris the first time we played in paris was in a, it wasn't even like a, a crazy huge show but it was like a, a small packed show and the crowd was just like going going wild so i don't know it's one of those things man like when you have those experiences it's just like i don't know it's like that's why i do this you know it's it just makes it all worthwhile you know
1: all Right. all right well uh, that's about it for me did you have anything else you wanted to say
0: I think I blabbed enough. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah. So uh, be sure to check out Plie Norsar? Is that how you say it? Plie Yeah,
0: it's okay. close. That's Okay, good. okay. there good.
1: we go. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm just going to call it Full uh, Darkness. <laughs> uh, we're
0: total assholes, eh? Giving it a French title? It's fucking...
1: Oh, yeah. Well, so that was something I was going to ask uh, Mel, actually. But uh, why do you guys have French and English lyrics? Like... Are you just trying to flex on us that you know two languages? <laughs>
0: uh, well, I can say one one of the things, uh, like the air, the area that we live in specifically, because we live right on the border of Ontario and Quebec, so it's very bilingual where we are. So I, I'm I'm English, but I actually grew up in the Quebec side, right? Uh, whereas Ville and Mel are both French. Mel is actually more from Montreal, but Ville is, Ville is also from this area, so... Uh it's just like, again, it's just part of who we are, you know, and when Mel joined the band, uh, when she joined the band, actually, she couldn't speak any English, like oh, wow. very, very, very little English. We, when we would play shows, I would be the one that would actually talk to the crowd because she couldn't communicate in English. Uh, so when we met, we only spoke French to each other um but later on like when we started doing albums like if you want to write songs in French like write songs in French and uh it's just it's just something that she does you know and and I feel like you know it's just it's just who we are it just has to do with like the, the the place that we live and the the people that we are you know like both my kids speak French and English all the time like she speaks French to the kids I speak English to the kids you know they go to a French school but yeah it's just it's just who we are we're not trying to like hey look at us we're fucking bilingual take that (laughs) uh you know it's it's just like yeah it's just who we are like you know i think i and I, i i i like that we put songs in french because i feel like it's something that bands even from the area that we are shy away from sometimes because they feel like it makes it not accessible in a way, you know, uh, and like the album title. It's not like we gave it a French album title because, like, you know, we wanted to be assholes and fuck with English people. But you know, it's it's really just what fit the album the best, and and, and that's what it is, you know. And I think it just it just sums up just sums up who we are, you know.
1: Okay, well that's legit, man. Um, but uh, be sure to check out Plié Norsar, uh, the seventh album from Fuck the Facts, which drops November 20th through Noise Salvation. Uh, you've got vinyl, CDs, tapes, and shirts uh, over at fuckthefacts.com. Is that, is that the right yeah.
0: thing? Okay, yeah, that's what exactly. I
1: thought. Um, are y'all selling any of that through Bandcamp? or?
0: Yeah, you can also get that stuff through Bandcamp, but we, we sell it a bit cheaper through our website because Bandcamp takes a cut, so... If you want to save a couple of dollars you get it through uh fuckthefacts.com
1: okay so fuckthefacts.com and uh you guys are on facebook twitter instagram um i don't think you guys have a fuck the facts youtube but you have a noise salvation one do, do you have a fuck yeah. the facts YouTube?
0: uh we kind of had one but i we sort of just like moved it over to the noise salvation one you know okay that's legit. yeah we, we, we didn't do a crazy amount of stuff on ours anyway so we just started putting it all there
1: and uh, so I would assume all your music. Well, I know all the music's on Bandcamp. I assume it's all on Spotify and all the other streaming sites.
0: Yeah, yeah, everything's right. out there. Well, we're uh, legit. <laughs> we're a real band we're a real grown-up band yeah <laughs> uh
1: as for me drop my channel a like so you always know when i go or my follow so you always know when i go live find me on facebook instagram twitter and youtube uh youtube folks if you like the video please drop a like tickle the notification bell and please subscribe uh check out my music the sound that ends creation uh my fifth album memes dreams and flying machines is out now uh i'm announcing my next guest later on in the week they're gonna they're i believe they're announcing their album on monday and i don't want to take any say i need the wind out of their sales um but yeah i'll be announcing that soon uh but thanks for being here man i uh, hope you had a good time
0: yeah thank you chris really appreciate it i had a blast
1: and uh thank you guys for watching and listening no! No! No!